Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with Jeff Rappaport. And today, guys, we're going to be answering uh, some calls that came in, a couple questions that some people had. Um, one of them is about working with agents. We'll, we'll play that uh, recording and uh, and. Uh, short, going after short sales. Um, the other, the other one is how to pick a market. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into those. But uh, first, let's uh, let's play this this first one. This is from Brandon from North Carolina. Uh, first of all, thank you, Brandon, for calling in. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate you as a listener. Um, we we thank you, and uh, we hope that you pass uh, this show on to uh, to anyone else there in North Carolina. So. Um, we're going to dive into that. I'm going to play his question right now here, Jeff. Jeff, Jonathan, I wanted to first start off by saying thank you to both of you guys for putting this content out. It's a very selfless act, and uh, I really appreciate it. Definitely don't take anything you guys put out for granted. Um, I'm a wholesaler here in North Carolina, and I've closed only two deals. I've only been doing it for about three months, but I do want to get into I'm actually decided to focus mainly on creative financing um, because I feel like that solves more problems and can reach more people. Uh, so I'm glad you guys made this podcast because there were, there is no other podcast out there like this, putting out this kind of content. And I really appreciate that. Very specific, very focused. Um, so my question to you guys is about working with real estate agents. Um, one of the uh, objections that I received from sellers is that, hey, I would just call my real estate agent. Um, a lot of times I reach out to properties that I don't know are uh, that the seller has a, a agent working with them, but it's mainly because I'm focusing on people who are getting ready to go into foreclosure. So they're probably doing a short sale or something like that. And so they have an agent attached to it and the agents aren't really responsive uh, when they're working with short sale clients. Uh, so I always hear that. Hey, uh, call my agent. You know, I'd love to talk to you, but I'm under contract with my agent, so just call uh, call her or him and talk to them about it. And I don't want to be uh, offensive or, you know, be too ab abrasive in that situation. So I'm just trying to figure out how you guys will handle handle that objection. And so it's two part. The second part of that is, do you guys work with agents in those situations? And if so, how? Uh, I appreciate you guys' response. Look forward to it. Thanks. So great questions, Brandon. Uh, I think that that's something that we're all going to come across, especially if you are dealing with people that are in default, because a lot of them will go and list with a realtor. So let me tell you how we handle it. Uh, th there's not an exact rule, so you're going to have to make some judgment calls on your own. What we would do is we would basically tell the seller, we'd see if we could get enough information to determine if it's something that we could even work with. Sometimes they, uh, 
they, they may owe too much on one mortgage, in which case that's why they're doing the short sale to begin with, in which case it's probably not going to work for us to come reinstate the loan. But if we can gather enough information where we'd say, yeah, that might work, um, I would tell them, look, if we go to your agent, you're going to have to pay that commission. And um, your agent's working on a short sale, probably doesn't want to stop working on that short sale. Um, so it's, it's going to be difficult. And, but at the same time, I'm also going to tell them, look, I can't go around your agent. I don't, I'm not telling you to go fire your agent. I'm not telling you all this. What I am telling you is that you have a limited amount of time and if they already have a notice of trustee sale set or there's one that's going to be coming fairly soon, they're up against the wall and they can't necessarily keep waiting. So they may need to go have a conversation with their, their agent, letting them know that maybe this isn't working. At the very worst case scenario, maybe you have to go have a conversation with the agent, but keep this in mind. Once you are introduced to the agent, that seller is now obligated to pay that agent a commission, whether that agent does anything at all. So if you, if you talk to the agent and say, look, I want to do this, and they say, nah, yeah, what, that's not going to work right now, um, and then you come back, there's still 3% is going to still come out of this deal. And which normally you don't mind because the seller's paying it, but in this case, you're you're working with whatever equity is left, so three percent is really coming out of your pocket. So it's a difficult situation. Whatever you do, don't interfere with the um, client um, realtor relationship because if you do, you can get yourself into some trouble. Um, I mean, and one of the things that you might say is, look, if your time frame starts to get pretty close or things aren't working out or the short sale doesn't work out, give me a call or can I call you back in three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Yeah. And when you're doing creative financing, I think for a lot of agents, you have to educate them on what you're doing. They might not know, you know, these specific strategies that you're trying to utilize. So, you know, a big part of this is really just educating the agent because if the agent does not understand what you're trying to do they're not going to pitch their client on it or they're going to advise their client against it um, and in these situations i would say try to find them before they list if you can I'm, I'm not sure what kind of marketing you're doing brandon but if you can go direct to seller before it's listed um, your chances of success are going to be much higher going that route wouldn't you agree jeff the absolute preference i know that you can't normally control that i mean you could get to a notice of default right when that default comes out and they may have already listed the property it's it's not something that you can totally control but uh, yeah, the absolute preference would be to be direct to the seller without a realtor involved. And the problem with agents doing short sales is there's a lot more work involved in doing a short sale and gathering all the documents and submitting it to the bank. Um, so they're going to have a lot more time invested. So it's not likely that they're going to want to just drop the listing. Now, anytime I talk to uh, a seller who has a listed property, I always ask them if they've signed a, uh, a 
a, a listing agreement, first of all, and um, if they know if they can get out of that listing agreement or, you know, if, the, if their agent's going to hold them to it. Um, sometimes you might find people that just have a friend that listed the property um, and, and just to see what happened, but they actually don't have a formal listing agreement. Now, if there's a formal listing agreement in place, um, definitely don't... don't um, interfere yeah interfere or screw up that relationship like Jeff was saying because uh, you know that that's the thing that is legally binding on the sellers part you know one of the other things that I'd, I'd bring up too is that you don't want to get too involved too quickly because the information a seller gives you when they're in default isn't always the most accurate hey I'm behind six thousand dollars well, then maybe they're behind twelve. Um, my, my payments eight hundred dollars a month. Well, it's really eleven. Um, all the, the the information you get is not always really accurate, and you haven't pulled title. This could be really messy. So you don't want to go in and like convince them. Hey, even if it's like, hey, your brother-in-law's got it listed. That hey, go go drop that listing. I'll help you because. You're not even sure if you can yet. So you want to tread really lightly here because you don't have all the facts. And unless you know that there's something that you can do, if you got them out of, you know, if someone's working the short sale and then they stopped, you're, you're putting this seller in a difficult spot because now there may not, there may not be any other options for them. Right. That is true. So, Jeff, how do you work with agents if you come across these? So, in this case, like I said before, I, I'm going to be careful. And um, working with agents in general is not a normal practice for us, uh, especially right. dealing with, with creative terms. And here's why. It's very simple. Is that we're always trying to work that down payment to a point where it's going to make sense for us. And when I say that, it makes sense for us to either buy it or it makes sense for us that we can wholesale it. And if we're going to wholesale it, we need to get in, you know, maybe not with zero money, but with not a lot of money down because even wholesaling it, we have to add in our fee. And if we're buying it, you know, obviously we want to come up with the least amount of money possible down. Right. With a realtor, you automatically have 3%. 3% that you've got, and the seller hasn't gotten any money yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's what makes it difficult. It, it does. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I am saying more difficult. And it, one of the things that you have to determine also is whether you want to work with realtors. Now, I do work with a realtor in a smaller market. Um, and I do fairly regularly. And he understands what we do so he knows that we're not we're wholesalers primarily he knows that i like to create terms and i'll give you a perfect example okay he literally just called me a few days ago and said hey i'm wondering if you'd be interested in a sixplex in this small little city in idaho and i said what are the numbers so he sent me over the numbers. My first question to him is, would they accept terms? And he said, no, they will not accept terms. I said, will they give me a good price? He said, this is what they're asking. I said, make an offer for this. And he did. That, that was literally our entire conversation. Um, it was through email. And then 
did you make the, the did you write up the purchase agreement? Um, sent it over, I signed it, and five days later we got it accepted. So I don't have a problem working with realtors, but if you are wholesaling, you need to be clear that that's what you're going to be doing. And they have to be clear that I get it and I'm okay with it. Yeah, because if they catch wind of it, if they think you're the buyer and they catch wind of it, they might be upset about it. Well, and keep this in mind too. When you're wholesaling and it's cash, okay, normally people don't care that who the cash is coming from. So if I write a contract and I say I'm paying cash for this property, at closing, they don't care if it came from Jeff, Jeff's company, or some random person, right? Doesn't right. matter. <clears throat> cash is cash. Creative financing, though, is literally I'm asking you to lend me money. That, that, that's really the scenario. So you might say, well, I feel good about you, Jeff. I like you. I will finance you. Well, at closing, it's not me. It's Joe Schmo. And we don't know anything about yeah, Joe. Yeah, there's no relationship. Right. And um, so now they might be a little like, uh, wait a minute, what? So I want to be absolutely clear that when I'm doing creative financing and I'm potentially or planning on wholesaling it or assigning my contract, I want to be clear that I'm not the buyer. It's going to be someone else. Right. Absolutely. So th those are some of the issues that you've got to deal with when you're dealing with realtors. Because think about this, just like what you said, Jonathan, that not all realtors are clear on how creative financing works. So you're now going to have to educate them. And th this is what I would tell you is that, and I talk to my my team a lot about this is that you can easily over educate people and yeah. whether they're sellers and or realtors right and realtors already think that they know maybe more than they actually do I, I, i'm not trying to dig at realtors i'm just saying that it's not hard to go get a real estate license so some are better than others just like there are some investors that are better than others right so but you're going to have to educate them and then they're going to have to feel like this is in their client's best interest. And then Great you've point. got to hope that they can convey that message to them, to the, the seller, in a way that makes sense for everyone. That's where you're going to have a major breakdown. So yeah. if you're really looking at trying to get creative financing accepted through a realtor, it's probably better if you can all sit down at once so you can educate everyone at the same time. But as you can see, there's already a bunch of obstacles you're going to have to deal with. It's not something that that we go after on a, a regular basis. Could you? Yes. Great point, Jeff. And the only last thing that I would say, uh, it seems pretty basic, but if the contract, a lot of um, repsies, a lot of uh, state repsies, state used repsies uh, may not have an assignment clause in them. Um, like, for example, here in the state of Utah, uh, our standard REPSI that all the agents use say that there is no assignments allowed. So we have to use a special addendum um, stating that we're going to, that we, that we are allowing assignment to take place. Um, so 
pretty basic, but just make sure that's in your super, you're in your contract. Super good point because if you are going through a realtor, you are using that state repsy, yeah, and they are going to write it up. So you need to be sure that it's written up in the way that you want it to be written yeah. up. And that's just if you're wholesaling. Now, if you're the buyer, it doesn't matter, right? If you're going to close, still on you it. better know what you're you're signing because it's being written up on a. It's not the the repsy that you're familiar with, and unless you are using the state repsy, uh, I can tell you our repsy is. It could be a, a f legal size front and back, is that's how long our repsy is. We always include a, an addendum and we have a disclosure page. Um, so on regular size paper, it's two pages and then like a paragraph um, and then the, um, where you sign. Yeah. And then uh, we have a separate addendum and separate disclosure. I can fill that out in two minutes. Um, a state repsy would probably take me 45 just because I'm not as familiar with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's so much more to put in I yeah. mean, our, our state repsies I think six, six pages, pages. yeah plus any addendums after yep. so all right Brandon I hope that answers your question again thanks for calling in um, if you have any more questions please feel free to call our hotline again um, we'd love to get you back on the show like can, this. can I make one more point to Brandon really quick yeah just because he brought up he said I want to focus mainly on creative financing and I think and I'm not telling anyone how they should run their business. And as you can tell, I love creative financing. I look at everything in terms of how I can structure some things. Right. But I also would tell you that why why just focus on that? Um, what what we like to do is give people options, just like you had talked about Brandon about being able to solve people's problems better. Well, give them some choices and. Uh, one of those choices is cash because sometimes they just need cash. That, that's what they need. That's what is going to satisfy them. Yes, they're going to get less cash, but you, you're giving them the option to choose what's best for them rather than always trying to f make everyone fit into the mold that you're trying to get them to fit into. So that would be my recommendation is don't just focus on that. If you start getting a really good grasp on creative financing, add it to what you already do and expand what you do. That way you're giving people more options. Great point, Jeff. And that's that's exactly how I've been doing it in my business as I've been learning uh, from you. <laughs> so I've just been adding in more creative offers as I go along. So, And I just started with, you know, using the cash hammer. Yeah. So, great point. All right. Well, I hope that answers your question. Um, we're going to get to our second question here. And um, okay, so this question is from Joe. He's from California. It sounds like he's an agent, and uh, he's just looking for a new market to invest in. So he here's his question. Hey, Jonathan and Jeff. Um, my name is Joe Yobacchio. I am a, a realtor and an investor in Southern California. And then you suggested to use the hotline uh, for topics for your show. And so I want to do so because your last two episodes, I think it was episode 34 and 35 or 33 and 34, were discussing um, seller leads. I would very much, because I know you're going to extend that topic into more detail on how to find 
and what to send out, what messaging to send out. I would like you to expand that. This is my idea on how to target an area for those leads. For example, um, and if I talk too fast, I'm going to leave my phone number too in case you want to do this as an actual case study. It's something I'm working on as we speak. Um, if you pick a seller's group that you want to market, say for example, owner um, or non-owner non occupied, vacant, um, uh, you know, all the different criteria you guys said, you know, own the house 30 years. So you pick your criteria. Then you say, okay, but I want to pick an area. I don't want to mail it everywhere. I want to pick three markets, for example. How would you guys pick a market that would have a higher probability of getting responses? In my market, which is the Los Angeles area, it's impossible to work this area because you've got Chinese investors paying all cash for homes that are teardowns. And a lot of the people that are already here are from China, and it's just a completely different market. So I have to go away from LA. There's so many markets, sub-markets, each city, it's ridiculous. I don't know if there's anywhere like it. So if you guys were looking at a new market, you got plucked down in the middle of some major city, you said, okay, this is a high-priced city, but we'll go to the outskirts. Would you look at rent rates, school districts, price range? For example, your example, Jeff, was you guys acquired a house that was worth up to 600000 and the rents in that area were up, upwards towards 2500 So I could see picking an area that had those type of numbers. Do you guys pick certain ratios of rent to price? Um, do you pick any type of demographics, again, economically or otherwise? Uh, do you pick high, high growth areas that were maybe simply high growth because they were outpriced? Um, is there a point when you say, well, I don't want to work, work a market that's so far away from one major city because now you're close to another big city, but not the same as the metro of Los Angeles. You're, you're going to go out to a suburb of now Riverside or San Diego. So, so what type of things do you look at if you don't want to work every single market and narrow down those cities? I hope that makes sense. Thanks, Joe. That's a great question. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to help narrow this down. One of the things that that I'm, I'm still a little unclear about is when you say that you want to work a particular market, how are you working it? So, and, and what are you trying to do? I don't exactly. know if that was clear. Are you trying to wholesale? Or are right. you trying to buy and hold? Because that matters. Yeah, it does matter. So I'm going to just take the approach that you're you're either wholesaling or you're wholesaling and or rehabbing. Um, because if you're looking for buy and hold, it's probably a little different. And maybe we can just touch on that briefly. But so here, here's what I want when I'm looking to wholesale or I'm looking to rehab. And it, it, it's very simple. I want to go where there are lots of buyers. Yep. So I want to look at what areas are are really performing, uh, where there are a lot of cash buyers. So LA might be, you, you actually might find a bunch of cash transactions, but that's only because people have a ridiculous amount of money there. Yeah, um, and it's a lot of international buyers. Yeah, 
So I, I would try to get away from that a bit. And I would look at some of the surrounding areas where, so I, I want to look at median price range. So, um, you know, in LA, the median price range might be 850,000. I, I don't know, 700,000, something like that. Um, uh, so what I'm looking for is more of a median price range, anywhere from 250 to 450, somewhere in there. Um, a lot more affordable to the masses. So ultimately, I want to be able to wholesale something to a rehabber that can rehab it and not have a difficult time selling it. If you're, could you cert, you certainly can still wholesale million dollar properties, especially in that area. You're probably going to make a lot more money, but it's it's going to be a lot more difficult. So. Um, that's the first thing. And here's how you could find that. If you're an agent, you can go to the MLS and look up cash transactions in particular cities, neighborhoods, zip codes, however you want to narrow it down. Yeah. So you have an advantage because you're an agent already. So you can actually pull that data, um, you know, directly from whatever area you're looking at rather than trying to use um, like Trulio heat maps or, uh, you know, looking on Zillow for cash sales or whatever. Um, because you're an agent, you have direct access to that data and you can see what percent is selling for cash in a specific area. Yep. And then I'd also look at what's the price range that those cash transactions are occurring in. That way you'll get a better idea of, um, you know, what it is that you can expect to be trying to wholesale properties for. And if you don't have access to the MLS, then I would tell you that either go to a realtor and ask them to pull this, this kind of information for you or go to ListSource. And ListSource is, you don't even have to pay for this. You can actually go to ListSource, pull the, the city, the county, the zip codes even, and strictly look for cash transactions and start comparing some different markets and then you'll get a better idea of where are a lot of the cash transactions occurring. Right. So again, that's if you're looking to wholesale properties for mostly for rehab purposes. Uh, if you're looking to invest for cash flow, um, I don't know, you should probably be looking at markets where you can, you know, at least get, you know, the 1% rule. Um, or close to it. Um, yeah. Which I don't know that you can in most of the markets. I mean, you're probably going to be looking in secondary or even smaller cities, areas, because, um, I mean, L.A. is not going to, uh, you're not going to find a good rent to price ratio. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yes, that, that's exactly what I'd be looking for is, you know, what, what kind of price range are people renting the most? What are the rents and how do they compare? Um, or you start talking to people in your, your local RIA, um, you know, as you build your buyer's list, where are they looking the most? What areas? Um, but let's talk about how creative financing could work in these types of markets. First of all, I would, I, you know, if, if I'm finding million dollar plus properties in LA and I can create terms on them and I'm very clear that I'm not going to be the buyer, but 
hey, give me 30, 45, 60 days to go find that buyer. Um, you can make a lot of money doing that. So creative terms kind of takes away all the, the guesswork in terms of you still want to go where they're buyers. Now, you don't necessarily need cash buyers. So that, that's not um, as important. But you also don't want to go to an area where you know, people aren't buying in right now. Yeah, like Flint, Michigan. <laughs> uh, and I don't know what's going on in Flint, Michigan, but there was certainly a time where people were not buying. Detroit, um, people weren't buying at a particular time. Now they are. Uh, markets are cyclical. So uh, you, you want to be clear about where do people want to live. So I can tell you for me, so we, we live in Utah and I work in all the markets across the Wasatch Front. So that, that's probably what? Uh, Four counties, five counties? Well, there's five counties right you know, from south to north. Okay. Um, and then I work one, two, three other counties as well. So probably a total of eight in Utah. And uh, really, the only major ones that we don't work are like where St. George, Cedar City are. Um, and the only reason that we don't is that St. George is kind of a different market than everywhere else in Utah. Park City is also like a different market. But I like Park City's prices. Uh, so we look at stuff in Park City. We don't go after stuff as much there, but we certainly look at stuff there. Everywhere else, all the markets are not the same here as they won't be in any city, state, you know, wherever you may be. There's always sub-markets within markets. So what you want to do is find two or three, just like you're doing, Joe, and pick them and do a little research on them. And I'm going to Jonathan, we talked about this, is that I, I want to start giving people links to information that may be helpful to them, uh, whether they're classes, whether they're software, some will be free, some will cost money. We will only, only recommend stuff that I've actually used and I actually believe in. Right. And then you guys make that choice. And... Um, so I'm looking at some software right now, how to analyze different markets. And if I believe it to be good, we're going to add that link to our website so that you guys can use it as well. Yep. And we would add it to uh, the show notes um, on any episode that we introduce that software. So hopefully that answers your question, Joe. Um, I would definitely... Uh, I mean, we don't know what your purpose is, so you, you need to identify what your purpose is first, um, you know, whether you're wholesaling. But, Jeff, touch on that point one more time about creative financing because um, you can, in any market, you can use creative financing, and especially at higher price points, yeah. I think that um, it's easier to find buyers if you can utilize these strategies that we're teaching on our show. So then the, this is my personal preference, so don't... Don't think, well, if Jeff only does this, then that's what I should do. That, that's not the case. But I'd much, much rather use creative financing on higher price type stuff than lower price. And let me give you an example. So on a $40,000 single family home, 
there's only so much I can offer um, to the seller and to my potential buyer. I, I mean, if there's five, six hundred, let, let's say that it'll rent for seven hundred dollars a month, which would be really great, right? Right. Um, and I don't know if that's the case, but let's say it did. And let's say that there's $100 that goes toward taxes, there's another $30 that goes toward insurance, and there's another $50 to $70 that goes toward utilities. I, I've got 500 bucks left to split up among the seller and the buyer. Right. There's just not a lot of money there, right? Right. Um, so yeah. I, I personally have more issues with that. Now, if you were looking to buy and hold it yourself, then the, the, there may be something that you might be able to work out there. But I don't love those kinds of deals. Right. Um, I'd much rather deal with a $250,000, $450,000 property where there's more cash flow. Um, I can divvy it up a little better. So when you're dealing in, and I'm not telling you to go find the highest price range areas, of, but you could. I wouldn't say start there. Get... Get some experience doing this, but creative financing, I mean, we we are working right now in one of the most competitive markets in the country, for sure, Utah. And, I mean, cap rates on multifamily are maybe five. Yeah, Yeah, four four and and a half. half. So, you would think that there's no deals, right? I mean, those don't work for us, but if we structure them correctly... It doesn't matter. We can pay top price where you would be getting four, four and a half percent cap rate, but we can structure the rest of it where we're getting an eight percent cap rate, which, hey, it becomes a lot more um, enticing in an appreciating emerging market. So I would tell you that creative financing works everywhere. As right. long as there's buyers, um, you, you know, if, if you're, we, we did an example on a property that, that we just bought um, last episode, I think it was. And uh, I'm not buying that property where we're laying out $16,000 if there are no buyers in that market. Uh, I want that market to be like people want to live there right now. Otherwise, that's going to be a problem. Now, I don't need cash buyers in that area, but I want to have people that want to live there, that the market is good still in terms of buyers. Right. Absolutely. Great point, Jeff. Um, and thank you for that. Sure. Uh, hopefully that answers your question. Joe, if it doesn't, uh, call us back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll put you on the show again and, uh, and we'll take another stab at your question. But um, if you do get, you know, let us know what your goal is and what you're really trying to do yep. um, because it, it absolutely matters. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, that will wrap up this episode. Um, I love this episode, Jeff. This is, this is fun. Uh, I like to put these callers on and answers these questions. And I really want, I want this to be more of the show that we do. Sure. So guys out there, if you guys have questions, please don't hesitate to call us. It, it will go straight to voicemail. You can leave your voicemail there um, you, or you can leave your message there and um, we'll answer your questions. Or if you have a scenario you would like to shoot past us um, and wonder what, you know, what Jeff would do and how he would structure terms on a specific deal, um, call 
please, uh, because we're, you know, I want to do a lot more of this uh, because this is, this is funner and you guys are getting the information that you want. Um, So that's what I like about it too. Yeah. So again, our, our uh, hotline number is 877-409-8090. That just goes to voicemail. Um, If you put any personal information on there, we will not have that on the show, such as phone numbers, emails, et cetera, et cetera. We will cut that out and just have your question portion in there. Um, Or if there's any information, if you don't want it to be on the show, please specify on on the voicemail. So again, guys, that's 877-409-8090. 877-409-8090 or you can reach us on the web www.thecreativefinancingpodcast.com any last words jeff it it is actually new year's eve today so jonathan and i are still plugging along trying to get out podcasts (laughs) we're grinding yep (laughs) um we're we're really happy with how things are going Keep passing this information along. I mean, we want to we, we want to keep bringing you value. So, anytime that you can let us know how we're doing, or have questions, I mean, let us know. We want to help you. Absolutely, we appreciate it. Till next guy. Until next time, guys. Create some terms. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.